And I'm James. Today we'll be talking about initiative systems and the different ways to handle action order. Welcome to Stop, Hack, and Roll, a podcast about losing the initiative role in your own introduction. I'm Brandon. We started our masks campaign with the yeah. Valley Gaming Group. Uh, we have seven player characters so far, and an additional two player characters join in. Yeah. And if anyone ever feels like running a game within the group, then I am already planning on making a tenth piece. Yeah, for that. I, I will probably have to run a game at some point. Totally no pressure to, but <laughs> I would love it if you would. I just want, um, yeah, I want, I want to. Yeah, uh, and I wanna, I, I wanna, I've one of the very first Powered by the Pockets games I ever ran was was Masks. Yeah, and it's it actually darn it may still be the only Powered by the Apocalypse game I've ever run. It might be, <laughs> unless you agree with me that Lasers and Feelings is a really is, weak ma- <laughs> Powered by the Apocalypse. Hack. I I really think that it it doesn't have it has D sixes, and it lacks. Everything that is truly important for a Powered by the Apocalypse game. Yeah. Yeah, so I would say but, that it, but it does is it, almost the opposite. I don't know. No, it I has still no feel moves. like... It has I no agenda. Feel. It has no GM moves. It has no conversation structure. It sort of does. It doesn't have the snowball. It doesn't have... All right, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but could, okay. We could get into deep Powered by the Apocalypse world... Uh, uh, theory, but I think but yes, so that's then, not so our episode ma- today. Yeah, so then Masks is probably the only pen and paper uh, powered by the Apocalypse game I've ever run. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Just, I'm going to run a Dungeon World game, but that hasn't happened yet. Which, looking um, forward to hearing about that as well. Yeah. But uh, it was it was too big of a group, I think. Yeah. Uh, but we got through character creation, ran a little bit of story, and a dear friend of the show, Kelly, who had never played a role-playing game other than... Yeah. Uh, Dr. Magnet Hands, has agreed to continue playing with us, and it sounds like she's really into it. Yeah. Uh, Elsbeth, a friend of the show, and also upcoming Stop, Hack, and Roll network host. Continuously upcoming. Continuously upcoming, but upcoming so much sooner, I hope. Uh, Elsbeth made some amazing logos for the different characters, Mm -hmm. which maybe we can toss up somewhere. somewhere. We'll see. Um. And I'm going to be writing up a summary of the session. Yeah, maybe we can, to do. we can include her her logos with your with Oh, your yeah, write-up. with the write-up. That would make sense. Yeah. I want to read this write-up, too, because I don't know what you're... Yeah, I've mostly, never read a write-up like this before. Uh, mostly just what I want to do is kind of have the basic outline of what went on, the introduction of the characters, and just sort of a repository of which NPCs we dealt with. Because as as you know, and as some of the people that have played games with us know... I name everybody all the time, as often as I can. Yeah. Which means we have, I think, six different agents of Aegis, and none of them matter yet. Except insofar as, like, one of them is, like, a buddy, one of them is your dad, and, like, your dad's boss, and there's names for all these Mm -hmm. people and brief descriptions, and if I don't write these down a second time... Yeah, we're gonna lose. They're gonna be gone. Yeah. 
But uh, so it was fun. It was fun. And uh, yeah, I, w- I think because our whole idea is to have we have a lot of friends mm-hmm. and some friends who are in- new, some new friends who are interested in or old friends who are new to pen and paper gaming. Yeah. And we wanted to do a sort of low key se- uh, gaming session uh, where we could have lots of people and where people could drop in and drop out uh, as we have more sessions. And yeah, that's where I think we're going to need. um not not for the podcast. That's where I think I need I'm going to need to run because I think that the There's a possibility we'll keep up keep on ending up with everybody there. Because if you if it's just you running yeah. and you just run like one every, once every 2 months, yeah. then it does feel like a special event. Yeah. You need to hit that critical mass of sessions of people running. Uh, mm-hmm. so that people feel, "Oh, well, I don't I'm missing this one, but that's okay because I'll be at the one in 2 weeks." Yeah, my hope is that as summer moves on like summer this year has been so crazy (laughs) yeah um that we'll be able to just plan it more often and just go like hey yeah whoever's there and that's where i want to i I have some ideas for some stories so awesome i'll uh, I'll hopefully be able to pick up some slack there and and gm a little bit and i'm interested in your character and i have a great storyline to involve my character with with my character as an well and to involve my character as an npc Okay, excellent. Uh, in the way that your character, I, I like, well, without getting into any of that, because Yo, it's a spoiler. But uh, okay, okay. Um, in the way that you have your, because your your character, real quick, is the the innocent. Yeah, the time traveling um, character that I'm going to be playing the teenage version so, from like the 1950s. Yeah, and so the, the the adult version is an NPC that you have for the for the universe. Yeah, but then your character would be the time traveling child version, teen version. Uh, I have a similar time travel-y version of my character okay uh that we can that i will introduce as an npc if and, i ever run and one of the big rules for uh whimsical comics presents uh, new halcyon heroes is that we are going just wildly 1980s marvel comics yeah like just over the top and wild as much as possible <laughs> It was fun. We had an alien invasion for session one. I jumped so. out of a uh, jumped out of a spaceship and landed on a mech unit. It was amazing. It was still falling so to the fun. ground. <laughs> I shot I, fake lasers at people. I love all of these characters. And Kelly was talking about trying to figure out a way to make little, like little standees of our oh, characters, little drawings of some kind, so that cool. we can have our characters in front of us. I have some solutions to that problem. Actually. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to put our heads together yeah. and get that because I want that badly. Mm-hmm um and uh so yeah so that's that yeah um so we have a topic for today today is going to be a brainstorming session yeah uh which do you is, want to start we're or, trying or should i start make these th- uh <laughs> what should okay um hold on do you have dice no we should probably my is, i mean I'm i think here. i think i've got higher dexterity than you probably yeah maybe i don't know i bet i do so just think of a number <laughs> between one and 20 okay and Six. Okay, I, I rolled a 12. Okay. Yeah, with my dexterity bonus. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, so what we're going to be talking about today is in... <laughs> <laughs> that, was a, that was a real dumb bit. <laughs> that was but... real dumb. Uh, we are going to be talking about initiative. Uh, kind of seeing where it fits into games, seeing how different games use it a little bit, and talking about how you can play with it in order yeah. to make it what you want it to be in your game or, or in someone else's game or whatever. Yeah, because I think there's sort of a... At, at the core of this conversation yeah. is the the issue that when you have a bunch of people sitting around a table, you need you. It's it's like a it's a multi tiered issue here. Yeah, but you have you you have physically many of your friends sitting around a table, and they are all having fun, and they all want to talk, 
and they want to tell about what their character is doing. And so you need to have some sort of a system that provides order that says when they can and cannot talk. <laughs> you sound like Mork describing a party. <laughs> so then digging deeper, you also have characters. And the characters, both player characters and GM characters, yeah, they all need to act. And mm-hmm. presumably, and, and because we are people... Mm -hmm. Uh, and not computers we can't imagine them all acting at the same time so there has to be an order both just from a human brain processing standpoint you have to process one a few actions at a time yeah uh and also from a storytelling standpoint like certain characters will act and react faster than others right so you need to take that into account and and then um well, so you have, so you have the, you have and a third thing, and a third presumably. thing that I can't think of right yeah, now. Yeah, but we'll, but you we'll have come to it. You need to organize the physical people around the table yeah. into not talking over each other, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that 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 pen and paper gaming does. Is it sort of takes the, a a pass the stick. I mean, even pass the stick storytelling. There's a stick. There's a stick, and the stick is the initiative. Yeah, and so you have some way to prevent people from talking over each other, mm-hmm. and you have the mechanical system of you have some people whose characters will. Make it will whom it will make sense to resolve their actions first. Yeah. Um, or maybe you don't, but you need to figure that out, and then you just need to like people's brains. Like it's not a movie where you can just zoom out and see everything all at once. And because you want to explain these things, you want to explain all of the things that are happening, even if it's a big battle sequence all happening at the same time. Right. And you can't do that at the same time. Because you run back into the, the the original problem of everyone talking at the same time, which right. you want to avoid. And like when when you watch the Avengers, you don't have like a six piece picture in picture view that shows all of them at once yeah. because our brains don't work that way. That, yeah. Uh, the the alien insectoid brain that James has in his head does <laughs> right and can view all those things, which is why he finds this a fascinating topic <laughs> for today's but discussion. Also, but also, I mean, but talking about the Avengers is important because like there are. Co- parts of the avengers where what's happening in the story is is like there are characters in the avengers that you just spend more time with yeah because they are the bigger name actors they're the bigger bigger budget characters and like there you just don't spend as much time with the hulk as you do with captain america in yeah. the avengers and because that's a storytelling but when you're sitting around a table you want everyone's character to be important yeah and you want to spend time with them right and like well like additionally just on that kind of that same point of viewing it from like a movie standpoint uh If you're doing this big fight and everybody's there, uh, but Nick Fury is sitting at the table and isn't in the fight, it's a little strange if you're going like, okay, but we need to keep this stuff in real time. What are you doing? He says, I'm getting a a coffee. It's it's half-calf because it's a little late in the day. Yeah. Like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, the th- the third thing I remember. Okay, you know the third, the third thing. thing. The I third you thing is that from a from a storytelling standpoint, you want to keep things moving. Yes, and so you have having an initiative system or some sort of a system that tells you who gets to go when. Yeah, it helps with especially when you have if you have a very crunchy system. Yeah, um, where you're you're sort of you have miniatures and you're planning motions and stuff. It's yeah. very helpful to have a system that says. And as soon as this person's done, you're going next. Right. And you know that in advance. You know that five turns in advance. You know that around in advance. Yeah. And so that you can be planning your action next so we can keep this moving because otherwise it will take forever. Right. And like that kind of hits on like Brendan's second rule of running games well, which is just keep things punchy. Yeah. If it's 
not going perfectly, but it's punchy, it feels exciting. Yeah. If it's a wonderful story and it's slow, then it feels boring. Mm -hmm. So that punchiness is... Yeah, and, and that's I think that is that is something I struggle with a lot in my game design, which is that mm. I, I do tend to be interested in designing games that have more intense systems, and I like right. that. I like playing those games, but they always drag, and so having a system that keeps things moving yeah. is is like it's it's my it's one of my golden uh, things that I grab at over here. Yeah, yeah, the golden windmills that I tilt at. <laughs> yeah, um, and that lays the golden egg. Yeah, yeah. It's mini golf. Yeah. It's a mini yeah. golf windmill. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which isn't to say, of course, that you can't have... Putting at windmills. <laughs> Putting at... <laughs> That's bad. All right. Putting what at windmills were... is Sorry, good. What were, what were you saying? Um, that Which isn't to say that you can't have slow, quiet moments in a game, but you don't want slow, quiet moment, and then nobody knows what to do or say. Yeah. Like... You... It's it's good to transition quickly into that slow quiet moment and then know where you're going next, even if that is a second slow quiet moment. Yeah. So Initiative. Initiative. So uh do you want to break it down into those kind of three sections? Or sure. do you want to go in a different way? Um I was thinking we just talk about games that we play and we talk about a lot and how they deal with those problems of okay. who gets to act when. And, I mean, we can just start with... Let's start with the most traditional. Yeah, which was the bit we did at the beginning of this, yeah. of this segment, which was the sort of the Dungeons and Dragons D20 fantasy mm -hmm. style, where your character has a bunch of stats, and you roll a die, which adds a little bit of uh, randomness to it, and you add your, your bonifier, and everyone gets a number, and you put that, and everyone, somebody, hopefully somebody writes that, those numbers down with names next to them on a piece of paper, and then you just go through everybody in order. Yeah. Uh... And so that really emphasizes the, well, I mean, we could talk for quite a while about the swinginess of a yeah. D20, but it emphasizes more than anything else, the idea that the character's speed is what's important. Yeah. So if you are, if you have negative dexterity, if you versus positive dexterity, then theoretically you should go later because mm -hmm. you're not as quick. And it also takes into account... It, because it is a little bit simulationist, so it mm -hmm. takes into account like you can take feats that give you bonuses to yeah. your to your um, your initiative role. Because in theory, you have training, and so you're better at that. But dexterity, yeah, is, dex your dexterity. Your initiative increases. is initially basically just your dexterity, and then if yeah. you have different feats or different things like that, that might add to it. And then there's the whole thing of like characters being flat-footed if they're yeah. lower in the initiative thing, and so like, that is a very complicated system. But that same kind of system can very easily be used in a, even a much simpler game. Yeah, because even uh, Fate, for example, yeah. uses a very similar system to that, is that mm -hmm. you have some stats, and then you enter when you enter combat, you talk about what kind of combat is this, is this, is this, um, is it mental combat, is it physical combat, and then you look at your physical, whatever the relevant stat is for the, the, yeah. the version of Fate that you're running, um, and then everybody rolls your Fate die, and then everyone still ends up with a number. Yeah, absolutely. Um, like, pretty much... Any game that isn't Amber Diceless that came out before the year 1990 is going to be using this style of initiative. Yeah. There's there's a couple of exceptions, maybe, but almost always mm -hmm. this is what you're going for. If you're going for like a traditional game, if you're going for an OSR game, uh, this is kind of the the basic 
Yeah. Which isn't necessarily bad. No, no. And it, I mean, there's a reason it stuck around for a long time. Because if, you, if we think of the three reasons that you use initiative, one, it tells the players when it, when it gets when, every yeah. player to go. It tells them when it's their time turn to talk. Mm-hmm. And it lets them prep. Yeah, it gives them prep. And it uh, it respects the powers of the character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because uh, I guess that's really what it is. It's when is the character, when does the player get spotlight? Does it respect the character's abilities? Yeah. And does it give you time? Does it not catch you, the player, flat-footed? Yeah. So the one the one thing that isn't on that list yeah. is that it, and this is my, my, my big issue with that kind of a style of, yeah. of initiative system, is that it respects the the stats of the character. Yeah. But it doesn't necessarily respect the the story. Yeah. Or the specific instance that you are in. Yeah. So like and the and the best example of that is if you if you enter combat mm-hmm. you you just everybody rolls initiative. Yeah. And assuming that nobody is is flat-footed or caught off guard or there isn't a surprise round or something like that. Yeah. But even if there's a surprise round, if like the heroes all enter together. Yeah. And they stumble onto some orcs, they get a surprise round. You just like all the heroes roll initiative and they all act and they act in that order. Yeah. But it doesn't respect that like the fact that my character was the the leader of the group and I entered first. So it makes right. sense that like I should act first because I was the first person in line to see. Or like the two of us are standing there facing the dread necromancer Megan. Yeah. And I've spent ten minutes of role playing talking about how I'm like holding on to my sword that yeah. I am ready to strike. Yeah. And like that, like this entire ten minutes of scene has been me trying not to attack her. Mm-hmm. And then we roll. And I attack last. Yeah. Because I'm the fighter and I'm wearing heavy armor and I've got a dex penalty. Yeah. And so you lose that moment. Like, honestly, probably the person who started the fight would be me. Yeah. And I guess then you can kind of use some story tricks and go like, that he is, that I am moving forward. I'm going towards her, but she's faster than I am. Yeah. And but like, you know, there's, there's still kind of some weirdness like that. Because then yeah. am I flat footed if I'm charging forward? Yeah. Like, clearly not. And so, so I think the way that you fix that is you can just sort of say, like, it, from a story perspective, it doesn't make sense for everyone to get a surprise round. But Brandon's yeah. character is definitely, like, the one initiating this combat. So, on it. so he gets a, a surprise round. Yeah. And then you move on to everybody else. And then Brandon's character is just in the thick of the fight. And it, it, it sort of, it, it is a very weird system in that it definitely, I can, I can look at the way that, that you construct it. Yeah. That you have ref- like you have your dexterity, which is your reflexes and some of your training, mm-hmm. and you roll a die, and that does that is like definitely the best way to simulate who can re- respond first. Yeah. But it, something about it feels not whole. Yeah, and like part of the issue with that also is that if you give a single special little round for whoever starts the fight then that really incentivizes going to violence during social situations. Yeah. Because then you are, like, objectively better at fighting if you cut off a social situation in order to fight. Yeah. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that that way before. Well, incentivization. Yeah. <laughs> incentivization. Let's go back two episodes <laughs> yeah. and, and, uh, and listen to that. But yeah. Well, it's... they've already listened to that one because right. our fans know right. that you they have to listen skip. in order. They would never skip an episode. <laughs> um. 
but yeah and it doesn't give and there's no there's no wiggle room there that i'm familiar with at least for if you want to have two characters attacking at the same time yeah like it's not in i mean because it's not in any of the kind of the big heavy hitters yeah because that i mean it would be difficult because again that that system is designed around that simulationist having systems of of mechanics to emulate what's happening in the fight and so you'd have to, I mean, just going back to one of the things I said at the top of the show is you have to have an order to solve yeah. those mechanics out. I will say, I don't know that I've ever seen a system that has handled two players attacking at the exact same time in a very satisfactory manner that yeah. made me very happy. Uh, but that's kind of something that we might end up having to come yeah, back to. That might be a golden lighthouse. That might be a golden light that we're, that we're putting eggs at. Yeah. Um... So, what is the other end of that spectrum, then? If that's one end. If that's, like, the highly mechanized version of that. I guess the other one would be where you have just the minimal, minimal, minimal amount of uh, of initiative. And I, th- I think I've got, actually, probably the best example for that. Okay. Uh, Misspent Youth by okay. Robert Bull. Uh, excellent game. It's going into its second printing now, its second Ooh, edition. Nice. I think it's actually actively on Kickstarter right now. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I've seen it around. Were you in the playtest? No. Oh my gosh. I I got never, to... I've never played the game, so. I've, I've, played the, I've played the base game and I got to play uh, a playtest Outrageous Youth, which was kind of like taking it and going a little bit less dystopian, a little bit more rock out. And you... One of the mechanics of the game is that you, like, actually jam out on air guitar. <laughs> and you as a band jam out on air nice. guitar. And it was amazing. It was so much fun. Uh, but that's in there, so check it out. Yeah. Uh, but in that game, you are teenagers in a dystopian kind of uh, setup. Uh, it's, like, 2017 and in America <laughs> right now. And you're fighting back against corporations or corruptions that were like big bullies it's it's a really interesting game for a lot of reasons um and is kind of like that that is one of the kind of indie granddaddies that should be given a lot of respect i think yeah um but one of the great things about the game is that the gm will start to describe a situation and will be giving some fiction and things like that and then will take dice put them in the middle and ask who's stepping up and whoever grabs the dice first is the one who is dealing with that threat. Oh, I like that. So it's like very much like if the first one was really designed to force all of the players to get at least some spotlight. Yeah. This is the one where you could have a single dominant player that is every time. Yeah, just grabbing. You are know, mine. Um, and it really helps to kind of uh, simulate that impulsive teenage thing, which I think is brilliant yeah it works for the story yeah um and then theoretically the gm running it would try to kind of piss off specific players <laughs> in order to get them to step up yeah yeah because this, this is a game like this is a game that starts out with asking uh what is a thing that bullies do that you hate and then the player is supposed to do that so there's tons and tons of things online with people going like hey i was gonna run misspent youth and they said, like, when they're sexist and when they're racist, and I feel really uncomfortable portraying that, which is fair because that's hard yeah, to do. Yeah, but it's that can be a that can be an intense game. So that definitely, unlike 
the sort of d20 style of just rolling and and putting yeah. a number next to your name on a piece of paper yeah which puts no um pressure on the gm to have to make sure mm-hmm. everyone gets us gets some of the spotlight it definitely spent it puts a little bit more of that responsibility either both on the players to yeah. step up and find situations where they their characters would step up yeah but also on the gm who is sort of like if, if the gm is, is sort of masterminding everything making sure that everyone is having that moment if they yeah. want yeah, absolutely. And so you could really end up with a player just kind of sitting a little quiet the entire time. Which, if you, depending on your player group, like I know a lot, of, might be I know a lot of players who they want to chime in when the moment is perfect, but if yeah. not, they're perfectly content to sort of take a, a backseat type situation. Absolutely. And there's nothing um, wrong with that. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, that game enables that type of mm-hmm. gameplay style, whereas like a D20 system doesn't. Yeah. Eventually in a D20 system, you're going to go. Yeah. Everyone is going to be looking at you. Yeah. Maybe. And maybe you're ready because you know that it's coming, but maybe you're yeah. not. Right, you might you might accidentally roll a twenty. Yeah, and it's like, oh, you're up first, and now the pressure is on you yeah. to go first. Yeah, so I think it it doesn't it doesn't handle spotlight in the same way. Mm-hmm. I think the mechanics themselves do not manage the spotlight. Yeah, I don't know that it necessarily respects the abilities or narrative of the. You know what? Actually, I kind of I was I was gonna say that it doesn't respect the abilities of the characters, mm-hmm. but I don't know that that's true. Yeah. Because it's less about the abilities and more about the narrative. And if it's and if it's the if the the GM is saying who steps up in this situation, yeah. Well, then that's and, and if the as long as the players are being genuine about what their yeah. characters would do, then it should. Then if they are uh, sufficiently encompassing their characters' brains, yeah. If you are in your character's head, then the character that's yeah. most pissed off is going to be the one who goes who goes for it. Yeah. So yeah, that does respect so, that. Yeah, it doesn't. And and that and and the only way that it's different, or not the only way, but one of <laughs> but the, the, the key way, way that it's different is that that game is just a little bit more interested in the mental perspective yeah. of the characters and not the physical perspective of the characters. Yeah. And what was the third one? I don't know. We've changed it every time. No, we haven't. It's been consistent. It's managing spotlight. Oh, giving time to prep. It's yeah. like not forcing someone into an awkward situation. So well, this also exactly does not, said, yeah. yeah, this doesn't force someone into an awkward situation because if you are not sure what to do, you sit back and you wait. Yeah. And I think there might even be a rule that like if nobody steps up, the GM gets to just like keep going. Keep going. Nice. And if they keep going, you know, it's only going to get worse. Yeah. So <laughs> I have to say, I have a lot of love for this game. Yeah. I'll have to play that sometime. I, I, I would love to play it with our group at some point. Uh, so well, let's go to another system. Uh, um, unless do we want to talk about doing that for D and D? Yeah, I guess we could talk about that. So I guess because this is a podcast not only about game design but primarily about hacking, one of the things that I wanted to talk about because, like, I'm I, because I was saying I don't always feel satisfied with the the D twenty style of initiative. Yeah. So could you tear that out and replace it with a different system? Yeah, and that sounds like a really cool system. So, so let's look at maybe swapping those two. Yeah. Does misspent youth work with a role for an initiative system, and does D and D work with who's stepping up? Yeah. I think the answer is probably yes for both of them. I don't know. I actually but, really think the opposite. Okay. But no, you go ahead. You go um, ahead. Just, I mean, I, again, I think the answer is yes, but not necessarily in a way that is really satisfactory. Okay. Because you could say you you stumble into a uh, a field in the trees. Yeah. Um, and there's ogres in there. Yeah. 
who's stepping up who's stepping up and and that is and that is definitely a way to and then like and you would just go through there a little bit of combat yeah and then you would say all right he did their thing who's stepping up next this this ogre is menacing you in a different way now yeah but i don't think that that there's a there's a driving threat yeah to the mechanical way that initiative in in d20 systems kind of just rolls forward non-stop yeah and it's like it's your turn deal with it now yeah um and if you're not ready too bad there's ogres there's ogres you gotta yeah you gotta, <laughs> you gotta. um and and so i think it, it it could work and it would be an interesting way to tell a different type of dungeons and dragons or d20 style yeah. but uh to style story but i don't know if it 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 puts that that uh that driving danger into the system the way that, that the regular system does. Yeah. And inversely, the, uh, I mean, I don't know as much about misspent use, so it's hard okay. for me to make judgment calls about this, but I think that, that as long as you have a mechanic that you can use to generate a number, even just rolling a D20 unrelated to anything else. Yeah. It's still like just, it makes you act and you might find interesting in this sort of role to play or role to find out what happens style mentality, you might find that suddenly like this is pissing your character off it particularly a lot yeah. for this action, but you might not find a good story for that. And it might force you to act in an order that doesn't make sense. Yeah. In a, in a system that is thinking a little bit more about the story first. Yeah. I feel like the, the story is so much about fighting against totalitarianism by being one person stepping up. Yeah, okay. That if it's just thrust upon you, yeah, that, that like, then loses right. a lot of yeah. the power, yeah. Um, Because then you're just a cog in the machine, yeah. man. Yeah, you could probably tell a fantasy story about that. Yeah, where I'm sure you could. putting that system into into a D twenty system would make sense, yeah, and would be frankly pretty cool. <laughs> that would be kind of awesome. You've but, got like the Lord Emperor controlling everything. <laughs> but I don't know if it works that way around. Yeah, who's stepping up? Kelsier. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and some of that is because the simulationist aspects of the uh, D20 initiative system are there to simulate who goes first. Yeah. Based off of their physical prowess. Right. And so is sort of itself separate from there's there's an aspect of that initiative system that is separate from the way that you actually like tell a story in, yeah. in, in Dungeons and Dragons. And so I think you could rip that out, put in a systems initiative system that has more to do with the story. And as long as you told a story in that, in that style, it would work because yeah. of how separate that in the initiative system is. Whereas because of the initiative system in misspent youth is so integral and so sort of wound in because of its genre bacon levels. Yeah. Um, eh? uh, I, I almost it, uh, referred to genre bacon before and I was like, uh, except we don't actually want everyone to have to listen in order. But because that's, because that is a facet of that game. Yeah. It is harder to remove mechanics like that. Yeah. I, I think also you could put like a sprinkling of that into D and D. Yeah. Like, like I was talking about that. Whoever starts the combat, starts the combat yeah but again that then incentivizes just going straight to violence right and, you know i mean maybe that's the story you're telling so i want to talk about marvel heroics. yeah let's talk about marvel heroics so i have actually never played the marvel heroic system okay but i've played two i've run a game and played at least two more games that used the marvel heroic dramatic initiative system as their initiative system 
Okay. And I think that for, especially for larger games where you have more players. Yeah. And for games where you're maybe trying to split the difference between uh, some some storytelling and some mechanical representation of what's going on. Um, I did it with Fate, but you could do it with, um, I think you could probably do it with the Cypher system. Uh, it's definitely, it's built on the Cortex system. So if you're familiar with that, like it's in, it's into that, uh, that Firefly or Serenity style games. If, if you've played those and mm-hmm. there's like, I think if, <laughs> Cortex is one of those games where if you, if you think of a movie Smallville? property, there's, yeah, there's, I think there's a Smallville like game. Smallville was like one of if the you can early think of a, Cortex. If you can think of a movie property, there's a Cortex game probably built for it. Yeah. Um, Rat Race. <laughs> Rat Race Cortex was really good. And, and Rat so the, Race itself was not, but the role-playing <laughs> game was phenomenal. So to quickly go through how it works, you when the thing, when the conflict starts, you decide who it is that is initiating the conflict. Right. Which, to your point, definitely... Who steps up. Who steps up. But it also, it definitely... Um, oh, incentivizes, incentivizes somebody. Well, it incentivizes being the first person to act. Okay. Because it's not necessarily violence, but okay. it is just a generic initiative action system, action order system. Oh, right, because you can use that for social combat. So I think you could you? use it for anything, yeah. Yeah, so um, kind of when you're specific- making... When, when you're making the action that's shutting someone down for the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you're, especially if you're in something like Fate. It's just an yeah. order system. Um, and so you take the person who acts first, and they get to go first. And then they, that player, gets to choose who's going next. Okay. And it can be the G- a GM character. It can be a player character. Okay. You can choose to just chain all the player characters next to each other. You can choose to hand it off to the GM. And then everyone who then, so if I choose to go first, and then yeah. I choose to say, you go first, or go next, then when once you're done, you choose who goes next. Okay. And if you are the GM, you can choose to do all your characters all at the same time. Right. Or hand it off. Yeah. As long as everyone goes, and then once Before you get to the, the end, okay. you go loop back, or then that last player chooses, who does it make sense to go next? Okay, I like that. That's and interesting. So, and so it lets, it, it, it does the balance of everyone gets the spotlight. Yeah. It gives you a little bit of a who, um, it gives you a little bit of the simulationist because mm-hmm. it does, because, but the respect of the simulation isn't so much with the mechanics, but with the players, okay. because if you, because there is, I think there is supposed to be some conversation about who's going to go next okay. and like, and it lets you do cool moments where I am the Hulk and you, if I'm playing the Hulk and you're playing Thor, yeah. well, I can say, I'm going to punch this character and I'm going to grab Thor and throw him. Right, yeah. And then, so obviously you need to go next. Right. Because that's the cool moment. We want to stay with that moment in terms of the storytelling. Right, just in terms of where the spotlight is, that's where you would want right. to stay. You don't want to then go... in a D20 system, it would be really boring I if I throw him. you and then four turns later, we resolve that action. Especially if you've got a huge table. Yeah. And so it helps you keep continuity of multi-person actions like that. Okay, cool. Uh, if you're, especially if you're, uh, it, like, I like it in Fate. So much of Fate is creating aspects mm-hmm. and overcoming objectives and stuff like that. Yeah. So that it lets me lay down some covering fire while someone else is putting out a fire, putting out a literal fire. And yeah. then you... Someone else just got fired. Someone else just got fired. Someone is on fire. And you're trying to uh, put a fire under the enemy so that... Oh, and yeah, yeah. They're dunking. Uh, it must and, be the shoes. Yeah. And then, and then you're going in for the big, the big hit that's going to yeah. take the bad guy out after all this thing. So it makes sense for us to go in that order, right? 
that's interesting. That yeah, that, it adds a layer of kind of interesting strategy. Yeah, because do you release control to the GM and let them put a monster in, and then, then because right because there's this there's an aspect of you know the way the world is laid out right yeah. now. But if you let the GM take over, they're going to change things. Yeah. In a way that isn't necessarily in your benefit the way releasing to another player is. And hopefully the GM would follow the narrative when they choose the next person. But they could say, and then the next goblin goes, and the yeah. next goblin goes. Which And then may, you've got a character down. Yeah. Which might follow the narrative. Yeah. And but, then you would, like, if, if the GM chooses to have all their characters go at the beginning, well, then you do have a string of, of player characters at the end. True. Um, so that is kind of my really, my favorite split the dif- difference initiative action order system. Yeah. Um, I am not, I'm just going to throw down, not particularly a huge fan of the initiative system in Fate. Okay. And so I almost never use it. Okay. In the same way that I almost never use most of Fate when I play Fate. <laughs> you almost never use Fate. I never use Fate. I never talk about Fate. Um, but when I run Fate games, I like this initiative system because... And, and 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 if I ever was ever to really run a straight up D and D game, right. I would probably run this way still because I tend to be a little bit more interested in the story than in the simulation. And so, even in a simulationist game, this lets me help do that. So this makes me a little crazy in terms of some of the meta gaming potential. Yeah, but like if your group goes in and you just put every player character first. You might be able to take down a couple of enemies before anyone yeah. has a chance to go, which might make sense for, like, if you've caught them off guard. Yeah. But then every round, you can eliminate characters a little bit faster. Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind of like that focus fire in D&D that almost always comes up that probably doesn't actually make sense in a pitched battle. Yeah. So the way that you deal with that mm-hmm. is, and I forget... Because again, is I, you haven't actually, it I haven't actually the played the Marvel Heroic system. Okay. So I forget if this is a thing that I just read that somebody added on, or okay. if this is actually part of the original game, yeah. which is that if you are playing in a system like Fate or Cypher or something that has a sort of secondary um, tokens, points, yeah. Fate points mechanic, then you let people spend their Fate points or whatever to act in a certain slot. The okay. GM gets to say, I have a, a pool of these points, so I'm going to say, hang on, no, no, no. I'm not going to let you all just beat up on my goblins. Yeah. I need to have one of them, at least one of them, go now. And then uh, pays a point to that to player who would have gone. Okay. Um, and, in, and inserts their character now. That reminds me somewhat of the system in Everyone is John by yeah. Michael Sullivan. Which is another interesting action order system. Yeah, that's um similar sort of thing that you are bidding to determine who gets to go uh and then in that one only one person only one player plays at a time yeah yeah uh i don't have actually a lot to say about everyone is john yeah it doesn't i mean i guess it respects the will of the personalities it it doesn't manage spotlight even a little bit (laughs) well but that's because of the type of story that everyone is john is trying to tell I mean, it does manage spotlight in that there is a mechanical bidding system about who wants the spotlight the most. Yeah, I, I have a lot of issues. <laughs> everything with everyone everyone is John, John everyone is, is an John. interesting game, and what it is trying to do is very interesting. Yeah, but uh, 
I, I feel like I can't talk about everyone is John in okay. a way that's super intelligible. So, I just wanted to bring it up because it's another yeah, one with yeah, that yeah. kind of so system. So before we get off of, of the Marvel Heroic system too much. Yeah. Um, because I because you have run a lot of Dungeon World. Yes. And I am thinking about running Dungeon World. Yes. And I and like I've said, I like to use this initiative system. Do you see anything in that system that won't work or will break stuff in Dungeon World that I haven't foreseen yet? So here is the thing. I think there's two different ways you could take this. I think that some hacking needs to happen. Okay. Because in... Done. Done. (laughs) Because in standard dungeon world, like, enemies don't really have turns. Because part of dungeon world is that it doesn't have an initiative structure. Yeah. It uses the narrative spotlight that the GM is largely in control of. Which is really largely how all Powered by the Apocalypse games play, for the most part. For the most part, with one or two little weird exceptions. Uh, but essentially, uh, if you are setting it up so that players have turns and enemies have turns, then you might be making it really, really dangerous. Yeah. Uh, and it, like, because if, in theory, in a Dungeon World game, if someone rolls a seven to nine on some kind of move while they're in combat, then the enemies make a move of some kind. It's usually a softer move than if they rolled a six minus, but there's still a move there. So yeah. if on the monster's turn, all they can really do is you is do a move. Because you can you could set up some narration and like give like basically challenge the players to defy danger, I guess. Yeah. Um, which might be totally fine, but that just might make it really deadly because it adds an additional opportunity for stuff. Because yeah. one of the moves that you can do as a GM playing run dungeon world is just inflict harm yeah you can say like oh it is the goblin's turn they're gonna stab they're gonna attack you you take three damage yeah and like that's kind of boring but it is an allowable gm move yeah so i don't know if necessarily that would work i mean part of the weirdness is just that when you are running dungeon world or any apocalypse world game you follow the fiction yeah and so if they're fight if they're if it's Wheel of Time and they're fighting uh, one of the Forsaken, then the Forsaken might just kill them. They might just be dead. Yeah. And, and like, <laughs> that's really not satisfying. No. And it's not probably something you should do. It's not really, it's not really managing following... the spotlight either. Yeah. Um, because you want to make the players' lives, all of the players' lives, dangerous and interesting. And we kind of care less, especially in Dungeon World, about the NPCs. Yeah. I think they should still all have names. There's a, there's a line there that's between dangerous and over. And over. Yeah, and done. Uh, what, what I would maybe do, though, I could see it being interesting taking that and applying it just to the players mm-hmm. and have them just bounce between the players. I think that could yeah. work. I don't know that it's necessary. Yeah, it might be just framework for framework's sake. Yeah, I mean, you could you could even just kind of in your own head say, we don't have an initiative, we don't have a set order, but I'm not going to call on the same person more than once until I've gone through the whole group. Yeah. The other That's thing, basically what I do when I'm running. Yeah, I was going to say, and, and something that I feel like I've seen you do, especially, well, and, and that I think would work really well in masks yeah. because of this type of story you're telling, is... Rather than so, like if you're GMing and you and there isn't there isn't a, a real like order of uh, or a mandated order of action yeah. for the players, it's just whoever feels 
is there like it yeah. makes sense for the character to go um but you're kind of keeping in your head a list of who's gone most frequently mm-hmm. and trying to make sure and and so instead of turning to me as the player who hasn't gone yet and saying James what like what what is your character doing yeah you might turn to say our friend Kelly and mm-hmm. say you just went who does it make and like you're and you're and you're hanging upside down because the giant robots got you by the foot yeah who, who like who who does it make sense to like who do you think would probably come save you I could see that. I could see that being interesting. And you could prompt them in the same way to say, oh, well, it would be really... And because it gives them the option to either say, well, it makes sense for Brian to come because he's right there right. fighting the monster with me. Or you could say, it makes sense from... Like, my, I personally, I would rather this character come or, like, I want, I want, I want Rob's character to come because I have a crush on that character. Right. And... It and that would make be a, horrifying. It would be horrifying for, for yeah. them. Or or because I'm like, it would give me the opportunity to swoon over them as they yeah. save me, and that's what I want. Right, exactly. It's it's almost like setting up flags. Yeah. Um, That you can kind of have that. Although, I do worry a little bit about making sure that you're continuing to play to find out what happens. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want that to be like a long discussion. No, no, just be a... But a, it is kind of cool to just say like, it's 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 Mark. Mark's gonna be there first. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting. So I have a couple. So we've talked about different types of initiative or action yeah. orders, and we've talked about switching them around and and the trap fall and the pitfalls you might uh, end up with. And I have a couple questions for how to deal with these things that are sort of unusual situations. Okay. Um, that I always like to get into interesting conversations with. Sounds good. And the one that always comes up first, and that I think I have a pretty solid solution to, but I don't know that it's perfect, is... Body swap. N- well, <laughs> nah, I hadn't thought about that, but um, for games where you have super-powered characters, right. like masks, how do you deal with characters who are, like, speedsters? Yeah. Because they move super fast. Yeah. Do they just get to move, su- like, first? That doesn't really necessarily... Because a lot of systems, they just take the speedsters and have them move first. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily, like, accurately represent, like, if you watch cartoons, like, or TV shows, like, yeah. The Flash does many things in a combat mm-hmm. situation where other characters only do one. Yeah. Because they're fast. I think that that depends a little bit upon how crunchy your game is. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm, in terms of me running masks... I think that often the speedster will probably be the first one in. Yeah. In part because players playing the speedster probably really want to run in. <laughs> yeah. You know, like in the same way that players playing the bull that want to like crush stuff and be Wolverine want to go first. Yeah. Like that's okay. There's no problem with that. <laughs> uh, the empath that's sitting back and going like, hmm, give me a second. I got to figure this out. Maybe doesn't need to go first because they might yeah. not want to. Yeah. Um, so as long as the players at the table are cool with, like, you know, with Speedy going first, mm-hmm. I'm not going to complain about that. Yeah. And so, and then, like, I guess then there's kind of like that question of action economy. Yeah. Which is, if the speedster goes first, how do we stop him from just punching every mook in the face? Yeah. So and the, maybe the answer to that is... You just let them. Like, just that, that's, let them. that's what they're there for. That's what they're there for. They're that's probably, what they do. like, most of the time, like, the Flash is very rarely the heaviest hitter. Yeah. But he's there to clear out all of the moves. Yeah. And so, like, if the speedster says, I go and punch... Like, you know, if the speedster says, I go and I punch five mooks, then it's like, okay, no, hold, first off, hold up. Bring that back and describe that for real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, like, you know, do a roll if a roll is required. But... 
if they're mooks and you're pretty super powered, I don't see any yeah. issue with just knocking a couple of them out. Yeah. So the way that I like to deal with it, yeah, if I'm using the Marvel Heroic system, which comes back to, I don't actually know how the real Marvel <laughs> Heroic system deals with this because I've still never played that game, but <laughs> I should clarify. buy it just to clarify for a third time. To, to clarify, but, not not when you're using the Marvel Heroic yeah, system, but the way when that, you're using the initial system. When you're just using the Marvel Heroic initial system, initial, yeah, um, okay. which may ha- which actually wouldn't have rules for the Flash, but would have, because it's Marvel, right, but would yeah. have rules for speedsters. And the like, way that, like Quicksilver, yeah, um, is you where where the Marvel Heroics initiative system normally says everyone gets to go and you get to pick who goes next, mm-hmm. but you can't pick someone who's already gone. Yeah, you just remove that that rule for speedsters and you let. And you say maybe they can. You either you either do two things. You you either can say they can go twice, so they have mm. to. There are there is just one additional player slot, and you may pick, and they may choose to go twice, or you may choose to add them later on. Or the way I might do it would be well, I don't know that. that so the, I like that way, but yeah. the other way you could do it is say there is the same number of player slots, mm-hmm. but the fl- the flash gets to go twice. And See, takes over somebody else's slot, which I think is not as great. I'm I'm not huge on either of those, actually, because I think the issue comes in that then you have a player that gets twice the spotlight yeah. of anybody else. And really, you don't want the situation of people coming to play the game and going like, how can I optimize my character to make yeah. sure that I have as most screen time as possible? <laughs> I'm going to be a ranger and I'm going to take a background that I have an arch rival and I'm going to take a background that I'm being hunted and like all of those things just to boost your spotlight. Yeah. Doesn't really help the narrative of the game. Yeah. Another way you could do it maybe is limit some of the actions they can take if they're moved like they get maybe they get their full action round once. Okay. But then because what like again what you don't necessarily want is the, the character who is the Flash running around punching everyone their hardest. Yeah. But you do, like, it would be fun to have a scene where maybe they punch somebody once, but then they're running around tripping somebody here so that someone else gets a really cool hit or they're, yeah. like, running over somewhere else and, like, dumping uh, paint on the floor behind uh, the, the other two characters fighting. Like, there's a bring around creating aspects, basically, yeah. everywhere for everyone to help. Right, and I guess that um, depends a little bit about the game you're playing. In Fate, it could be that you create the aspect. Yeah. This room is just, full of traps. If they're gonna, if they're gonna do more than one action in the same round, they have to limit them to just creating aspects. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, if you have even that's really powerful. If you have Quicksilver and the Hulk, and the Hulk takes a swing at some mooks, maybe he takes out ten mooks just like with a punch, or like he slams the ground, and or or Storm brings down lightning and shocks a whole bunch yeah. of mooks. Maybe if you've got a speedster and he's hitting too many people, you need to give him more people to hit. Yeah. Or you need to give him someone to hit that can't just be taken out by bopping them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that is maybe what it's about more than changing the system or giving them more <clears throat> options to move. Yeah. As just giving the party more things or better, more focused things to fight. Yeah. So that in the story, they're just dealing with more people. Yeah. But taking one action still. Yeah, maybe the, maybe the speedster is fighting bad guys while also on a date. Yeah. And has to, <laughs> to zip back and has forth, to zip back and forth okay. changing in and out of costume. Yeah. I feel like, like, you know, like 
that like standard do. double double date sitcom thing yeah. works but, but just as well against Galactus. <laughs> yeah. One of the dates is with Galactus. Yeah. That's definitely the splash date text with, on Date uh, with Galactus. Is definitely a comic. <laughs> yeah. I would definitely read Date with Galactus. That's great. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's one of those questions that I I um here's my little plug for uh, Metatopia, mm. um, which we haven't talked about I in a couple Metatopia. episodes. Um, <laughs> it's been like a good fifteen minutes since we've talked about Metatopia. We should probably I, do that. I was walking. With, Wait, we talked about Outrageous Youth, which I played at Metatopia. Um, but I was walking to get food one time yeah. last year, and I overheard some people talking about it, um, and. Talk, specifically talking about how do you do initiative with, okay, with, speedsters. with speedsters and i was just like hey guys can i join your conversation i have some things to add <laughs> I li- and i'd like to hear your opinions um and i it was great um i think it was actually it was um eric simon who wrote uh Rock-a-Lips. okay but i think he was one of the people in that group yeah. And so that's that's a great story of why you should go to Metatopia because you'll stumble into conversations that end up being uh, <laughs> ideas that I pull for episodes of this podcast. Yeah. So if you are either me or James, you should go to Metatopia so that we have things to make reference to in the podcast. Yeah. Also, come to Metatopia, see us talk on a panel, and you'll get all of the hand gestures that I make when, That's true. when we're podcasting that you never get to see. see. See James on a panel, because Brandon is feeling like he'll never do a panel again. All right. Because guilty mics have got no rhythm. All right. Yeah. So um, I think <laughs> well, we've lost track. We've lost what track. are we doing? We've lost this podcast. So see, this I think... is the problem with just having spotlight run by the by nobody. Yeah. Like, because that's actually the kind of the last thing that we didn't talk about. Yeah. Is the apocalypse world style, which is the GM runs the spotlight. Yeah. Um, and there's there's a bunch of other examples of things like Swords Without Master has its own system. Noir World has yeah. its own system. Dread kind of has a light system, or you just kind of. Talk. It's more like dread is dread is more, it's more like, like the apocalypse world. Yeah, that that you the, act and then the GM prompts you to do things. Yeah, and that is the other. That is, I mean, that is the the one of the pitfalls you run into with systems with very limited or light action order system um, mechanics. Mechanics is that you'll just you may you may run into the problem of too many people talking all over each other right. or nobody talking. Yeah, <laughs> because nobody thinks that it's their turn. Right, and so like ha- even just having someone in charge of that. To say, it is your turn to go. Yeah. And I think actually for that reason, a lot of the uh, GM-less games or GM-full games have very specific systems that are codified in yeah. the mechanics because you need to have that. Otherwise, it's too many cooks. Yeah. Spoils the broth. Yeah. Um, so don't <laughs> don't wait for your initiative round to <laughs> contact us. <laughs> Just... Get in Sp- touch with us. Spotlights on spotlights you. <laughs> Send us a this tweet. This is us now putting a spotlight on you as Who's the Twitter tweeting GM. up. Uh, yeah. Uh, and so you can <laughs> you can reach us together as at Stop Hack and Roll or me individually at End the Meltdowns. And I'm at Dr. Captain Cobalt. Do go to our website, yeah. which is stophackandroll.com, where you can find all of these episodes and all of our fantastic show notes and uh which have links to all of the games that we talk about and so that you can go find them and and also links to the games that we've been working on some of them we need to work on the website again. the website needs work um, um because it doesn't have a link to our discord 
It doesn't. Which is uh, at tinyurl.com slash shrdiscord or, or at discord.stophackandroll.com. And both of those are fantastic things you can type into your URL bar in order to be brought to our Discord. Which where is a fancy a, chat room Yeah, it's software. a fancy chat room that also has voice stuff, yeah. which allows you to hang out with us, talk about stuff, tons of game design, tons of stuff being worked on for Game Chef, yeah. which... I'm sorry it's too late to do Game Chef if you're just now hearing about it. Yeah. But maybe but, next year. But look into it. Lots of fun games. This year it's about borders, which is really interesting. Uh, I know I'm working on a game. Are you working on a game? I'm working on a game. I'm not sure if I'm going to have time to get it out in time. Yeah. I'm really hoping that I do. So that, that'll be good. Look for those things. Um, come to the t- come to the Discord. Talk to us about that stuff. Yeah. And like it also has just some other like interesting little conversations that go on. There was just like... Uh, I've been like, watching Power Rangers. Was so it been, Frankie that gave like a uh, like a yeah, lecture a series, series on, by series lecture on mm-hmm. every Power Rangers show and the original Sentai show they were based off of, and whose costumes were the best and whose costumes were garbage? Yeah, and it was great. It's pretty great. It's, it's I love the Discord. I'm very happy to be there all the time. I need to be there more. And and so I think like you can hopefully you can tell based off of the way we talk about this Discord. Really the way that we want you to interact with us is by coming to interact with us. And that's how we and like tell people about the podcast, listen to the podcast, support us that way. But if maybe you don't have the time, but you do have some money, we also have a Patreon, which you can find at patreon.com slash stop hack and roll. Um and the people who back us there are excellent. They help us financially pay for this podcast. Um, and they are people like Stephen Mitchell, Rob Harvey, Blake Ryan, V. Brower, Declan Chadbourne, Anthony Nomorosa, Ryan, Troy Pitchelman, Riverhouse Games, Randy Lubin, Nick Clark, Robert Kosick, and Rob Avrazado. Thank you guys so much. It really does mean so much to us that we have your support. Um, and we also understand that not everybody can financially support at any point. Um, if you're looking for another way to really support the show, uh, go onto iTunes and give us a rate and review. Uh, I recently went to check the rate and reviews, hoping that someone had been like really mean to us in order to like <laughs> know that we'd made it. Yeah. Um, d- please don't do that. Uh, please do. Please, please don't do that. But uh, I noticed that we've apparently like dropped below the number of ratings that it shows you the stuff. So I think someone deleted their account or something. I don't know. I don't get iTunes. But yeah, uh, iTunes is weird. So rate us. It helps other people find us. And it helps our self-esteem. Yeah. And so that's that's today's episode. So as you're looking around the table at a bunch of blank stairs waiting for somebody to take the dice in the middle, don't forget to stop hacking. James is currently making crab motions, <laughs> continuing my theory that he is an alien. I am a crab. He has been um, replaced. <laughs> this hand motion. I do a lot of hand you motions. You do a lot of hand motions. Um, so, and that is that is so perfectly encapsulated by this audio medium that we are doing he's, a podcast he's in. He's forming a, a kind of a cone <laughs> that he's bringing down.
And then he was bringing it up before also to release the cone. Yeah. Kind of it's down the, and then the, up. This is, this is where all of it the It was all in his face. It's a, it's a, it's a, it was being drawn out. <laughs> that's, how, that's how you role play. 